0: Welcome to the Hate your Locker podcast. Latest news reports can be daunting. Budget cuts, recessions, and cost savings are at the fore. Many companies are looking for innovative ways of making cost savings and increasing productivity in their businesses. Sometimes, by taking a closer look at current processes within your company, you can save time and money by planning effectively, and it doesn't always have to be an additional cost. On today's show, we talk to Gareth Purdy, a leader in the field of project management. Gareth is an experienced project management leader who has successfully designed and delivered several project management improvement programs. His skills lie in recovering failing projects and mentoring teams from subpar to high performance levels. Accredited by APM, he has managed single projects as large as 30 million, programs of up to 130 million and portfolios greater than 200 million. We ask Garrett to run us through the fundamentals of what good project management looks like, when businesses should start implementing project management into their daily processes, and what kind of outlay, if any, you need to consider when implementing project management. He gives us some great insights into the role of a project manager, the skill sets required, and some excellent tips on how you can roll out successful projects on time and on budget. This is an excellent podcast and we really hope you enjoy it.
1: Today we have Gareth Purdy with us and he'll be talking about all things project management. So thanks Millie and Gareth for being with us today.
2: Pleasure,
1: yeah. And Gareth, if you could introduce yourself.
2: By all means, yeah. So Gareth Purdy, I'm currently head of projects at a company called James Fisher Nuclear. Um, I've been in projects for, oh God, for too many years, um, 15 plus years now. Um, my background's a little different to most in this I started, I sort of picked project management straight out of university. So I started at the assistant and support levels and worked my way up. Um, yeah, I've serve, run projects of all different sizes in all different industries, and I've led the project functions for two different companies now.
1: So, Gareth, I think sometimes you may disagree with me on this, but sometimes um, the project management role is sometimes left as a secondary function. Something mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, whoever's just... We'll just put this person as leading the project you know there isn't actually that project management structure or function in place why do you think project management is so important for businesses
2: um when an organization starts to move away from their core business the sort of business as usual activity the thing that they've done for years or what their organization has been built on and moves into the scope of project delivery yeah, you're right. It can be really easy to just say, Oh, well, it's just a great a case of getting this group of people and tasking them with some work and, you know, they can go and get on with it. They'll be fine. The reality is that that does leave the door open for quite a lot of risk. I mean, time, cost, quality being the obvious ones, but there's other vulnerabilities, things like reputation, impact on resource availability, cash flow, um, what else? Lost opportunities, learning from experience and a fundamental inability to adapt to change. Now, what project management does is it fundamentally brings in a toolkit and a set of behaviors that for want of a better expression allow you to standardize the unknown and to get predictable results predictable outputs from what is a unique package of work that's where it comes in
1: yeah and that's actually um as so obviously we have gone ourselves from being a startup into a scaling company now and all the processes we're trying to put in place now are predictable, or we're trying to put in predictability and scalability. Yeah. Um. And I think that personally, just the only way you can start doing that is to have somebody who puts a, those processes in place and manages it then per project Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Um, I suppose that kind of um, fits nicely to the next question then, Gareth, is when should people start implementing a project management structure? I mean, for ourselves, I, well, I don't think most startup companies put them in day no. one. And it's usually something, you know, kind of when people are scaling and they're like, oh, no, we should have done that 10 years ago. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, what it's what's a
2: retrospective it. thing. Um, so typically a company will get to the point where it realizes it's that it's it's, it's managing projects. It, it sort of realizes that it's starting to identify name people on proposals and, and things like that. And then, as you quite rightly say, it's the, it's the oh God moment um, and they've sort of got to try and run around and fix it. So. The easy answer when should it be done it's as soon as possible but the key sort of caveat with that is that where an organization is just starting to move into you know reaching that realization point that you know some sort of procedures and processes and um, structures should be put into place the key is that they don't have to jump in with two feet they really don't they don't have to go and spend a huge amount of money on day one that's just not necessary um as soon as that business starts to see sort of project delivery looming there on the horizon like a big dark cloud Um, then shaping the business, just making a few key tweaks here and there can have massive benefits. And it means that at the point where you are ready to pull the trigger and formalise those project management processes, everything becomes a lot easier because you're not trying to introduce them in parallel to making a fundamental change to the organisation. So the beauty of project management, it's a term that you've already mentioned there, is its scalability. Um, So the high level steps in terms of introducing project management in an organisation are pretty much exactly the same, whether it's a hundred million pound firm or a hundred grand firm. Fundamentally, you need to create some sort of methodology to define how you are going to approach projects. You need to provide any sort of reasonable or necessary tools or software that the team might need to be able to do the delivery. You need to either appoint or train up um, somebody to do that, to act in that leadership role and to deliver the work. And then it's just a case of getting the feedback, measuring performance and continually improving. Now, none of that says, go and spend 100,000 pounds on a piece of software. It doesn't say that. It's It needs to come down to the sort of the attitude, the approach and the strategy of the business leaders to decide what level of, of investment they're gonna do to determine how far down the rabbit hole they're going in each one of the tiers.
1: And do you think, Gareth, obviously you're a project manager, obviously depending on the size of the the company that you're working with, do you think project management is a specific role for somebody that that's their full time job? Or Mm -hmm. do you think it is something that somebody um, perhaps like it's the BA who has that role or somebody that it's part of somebody's role or do you think it is somebody's actual role, if that makes sense?
2: No, I get where you're coming from. So do we need dedicated project managers Mm -hmm. in a business? Um, It depends on the business. So at a basic level, um, if once the company's defined a package of work, they need to have a look at their existing resource to decide if they've got somebody that can lead it. Now, that, there is no one type of project manager. There's no one perfect formula. You know, we all come out of a factory looking the same or anything like that. It's if we can identify somebody and either give them the space and the support, or if necessary, in and upskilling to be able to do that alongside their business as usual activity. Then fair enough. The determiner, the the point where we get to um, where a dedicated project manager might be necessary, that would be determined by a bit of a balance between how much time have they got available versus how much is needed to deliver this piece of work. And it will also come down to what is the skill set of that individual? Do they need to be improved? Can it be brought up to the level or are we at a bit of a ceiling where we need to bring in some additional resource externally? So fundamentally, there's no rule in the project management playbook that says thou shalt have seven project <laughs> managers, you know, sat in the corner ready to go or anything like that. There isn't. The processes and the toolkits that you bring in as part of project management they belong to the business it's not an individual person who does that Um, and the company needs to prepare for having project managers and then they they need to decide the appropriate time to bring them in
1: and gareth is the project manager ultimately responsible for if it goes over or are they purely just responsible for i suppose communicating that
2: that they're going over yeah yeah it's it's i like to drill into the project managers, they are responsible and accountable for the time, cost and quality expectations on a job. Now, the key thing there is making sure that the performance expectations are realistic. So that's the bit that they need that as part of setting up that project, the business needs to buy into them. They need to make sure that what they're expecting to come out of the other end is realistic um, and achievable. If it isn't, then you're setting somebody up to to fail. In which case, you know, it would be completely inappropriate to say that you know this person who's been handed this package of work to deliver is uh, you know accountable if it goes wrong. If the if it is achievable, if it's um, realistic, then yeah, it's it needs to be the project management. The sorry, the project managers um, need to be under their ownership. Because if it isn't, you're kind of watering down the job a little bit.
1: But I think you're right. It's that beginning step that's that is is pivotal isn't it that it's like if you as a project manager are accepting this project then you know accept that make sure that there is enough hours given there's enough people given there's enough resources given that you you can stand over to say i think this can be finished in four weeks time and i'm happy to to work with those parameters but if you are completely under resourced you don't have the right tools basically you're setting yourself up for a fail
2: Um, absolutely and that that wouldn't in any way shape or form be the the a fault of the project manager it would take that step up at a business level and go okay the basic fundamental project management processes in this business aren't set up right because we've allowed a project to start that was doomed to failure so yeah it's it's very much a case of you know probably the most important um step in in bringing a project into a business is defining what success looks like
1: so i think what you're saying i think gareth isn't the communication element is really important, but I definitely think the parameters at the beginning, in terms of, um, a few years ago, um, we had a team who were delivering a project, as a business, we thought the delivery was going to be a complete, tested product that was ready to go, mm-hmm. but, the project team, thought that they were going to be delivering a product that was for testing, you know, so, right. so we, so in terms of the actual, um, you know, they were like, well, we've we've delivered, it. we were like, it's. Start ready for the customer yeah and they were like well we've delivered our bit we're like no i think there may have been some um crossed wires there um but again i suppose that's kind of the things you have to decide in terms of your project management how that's going to work who's responsible for what but i definitely think one of the best things i've learned is um that don't set the person up to fail (laughs) you want them to to succeed
2: (laughs) absolutely and that's that's basic sort of definition of scope there Mm. Um so we need to understand exactly what the job looks like as well as what the success factors associated with it are if we're just throwing the work out there and you know oh, i think i know what i mean you know
0: yeah, exactly.
2: somebody somebody's going to make a mistake somewhere
1: so i think um a lot of companies when they're looking at their project management position like you said a lot of people just don't go out and hire somebody on a college you know with that a lot of people maybe would have come from you kind know, of that background or be promoted from within if i was looking to promote somebody from within mm-hmm. Um, or if you were looking to promote somebody from within, what skill set do you think would be kind of really good for that role?
2: Yeah, it's um, there's a few key things that different people look for. So I've got my own personal things that I keep <laughs> an eye out for. Um, the, I really I think that a project manager has got the ability to speak to people at all different levels of the organisation and to diffuse conflict is you're already you know a good chunk of the way there. That communication skill can't be, um, you know, we can't sell it highly enough. It really, really is very, very important. It's that ability to motivate groups of people who don't work for you. You've got to remember, you know, typically there will be no line management responsibility there at all. It's people who can motivate them to deliver something that's outside of their usual day job, and that is a real skill. So you keep an eye out for those people who can always seem to get the groups to do different things. It's you know, there's always somebody in the office who, just has that ability to sort of flip between different groups the other thing that i look for quite strongly is um if you take the old uh, sort of adage of somebody can't see the wood for the trees Mm -hmm. i look for people who look at the wood um so you know to use another term somebody that can see the matrix so you want somebody that can step in see the entirety of a job and recognize that there's individual tasks involved in it rather than getting tied up and bogged down with the detail and somebody that has that outlook it's it's not a common thing to have that yeah. Beyond that, you're really looking at organisational skills and somebody who can follow the process. Um, but there's a million different ways to to find somebody who's suitable for a career in projects. Um, that's just some of my favourites.
1: But actually, that's really interesting because um, one of the things, I I've really tried to concentrate on just within our own team is is that kind of agile approach that you're that you're kind of releasing as you go, or but throughout the organisation, I bring it into marketing and and all, all aspects of the. Um, the company because I think if you're looking at a whole project as one task you're just never going to get it done you have to look at it as broken broke it down into tasks so at least you're at least you're getting a bit of the way. <laughs> and you can measure it.
2: That's um, it. It's, it's proper planning which um, is you know it's, it's one of the absolute cornerstones of the job and when we start talking about planning people often start googling it and that inevitably led to very complex systems and primavera p6 and all sorts of things like that Fundamentally, a project plan is just a very intelligent to do list. That's all it is. It's a list of tasks that you've got to do, and then typically you'll attach bits of data to each one of those to do items. So, you know, okay, it's that, and that'll require this amount of resource, and that person's on this rate. That means the cost's going to be this. You know, that task can't happen before that one, but these two can be done in parallel. Those sort of planning, it, it doesn't necessarily require any massive complex software system or anything like that. It's just a case of being organized and going through it and making sure that that plan is deliverable and achievable before you even turn the key.
1: And do you think Gareth, in terms of project managers, some people would probably just naturally work in certain industries, but is there a lot of um, kind of people moving between industries? Is it very transferable? And if you're working construction in terms of project management, is that kind of where you stay because those skills are specific to that industry? Or do you think it's kind of transferable,
2: but massively, massively transferable. So we've kind of fall into it, fall into a bit of a habit in the UK where people do tend to pick a industry and stay in it. Um, but if you think about the skill set that's required to run a project, I'd say probably somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of it is completely and utterly transferable between different industries. The 10 to 20 percent is the nuances of the behaviours within each of those indif- uh, those specific industries. So if I was to use uh, IT or construction, they do have their own way of doing things. There are um, things that are taught as part of the management of project in those areas that aren't necessarily taught somewhere else. But it is the little extras, the core skills that's required to run a project. It can be and should be massively transferable. There's huge benefits to people getting to work in different areas and different industries because, you know, we know this from, you know, the big movement away from job hopping being a dirty word and things like that, where bringing in a really sort of blended um, set of skills and experiences can have massive benefits. So it absolutely is transferable. It should be transferable. We just need to be better at it.
1: Yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. I think sometimes they're like, well, that person doesn't know the lingo. I'm like, you can learn the lingo, you know, but you're, the skill of being a project manager, like the skill of actually seeing seeing something be able to put it into tasks and be able to manage it in a way that you're going to produce something on time at the end, that doesn't matter. It's the same if you're in construction or a pharmaceutical or a tech. It doesn't, exactly you can learn so. the lingo. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah. So, but And then obviously some industries, um, I suppose, are... Are used to having project managers you know so that's probably kind of a natural fit that
2: side of things yeah there's, there's sort of lower barriers to entry in some places because it's just an expectation that this is a role that exists within an organization whereas others if you said it you know people might look at you saying oh well where are you going to get the money to fund that it's an overhead cost we haven't got the we haven't got the uh, the funding for that just make do with what you've got
1: So, Gareth, we've we've maybe looked at hiring or promoting from within. We've got our project manager now, and we're delighted with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that key, which I think we have both really looked at, is setting the person up for success. Um, What do you think are the tips of kind of rolling out a successful project? Or, you know, how do you make sure that you are really creating your project management
2: um, structure that it brings success? Okay, well, if I look at the structure part of it first, um, so just as we're starting to roll it out, the first tip I'd give would be don't confuse familiarity with knowledge. Mm -hmm. So project management is a term that gets thrown around a lot and it's very core. It's actually incredibly simple. It's delivering a unique piece of work to time, cost and quality expectations. You know, people hear the term all the time. It's banded around on grand designs all the time. You know, it's it's a very familiar um, a familiar term and people, you know, if you put their arm up the back, they'll vaguely be aware of a gancha or a risk register or something like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that people with that level of knowledge are in a. A sufficiently well prepared position to start rolling out project management structures and processes in their industry, you know, there's a degree of upskilling that would be really, really beneficial to do before you start going out and hiring or start paying for courses or anything like that. Um, so it's trying to get that objective, generalised view of the the whole sort of project management landscape. And the problem we've got nowadays is that as soon as you start to Google any of this or put it into YouTube or TikTok or whatever, it's generally people trying to you know push for courses or you know packages or something like that. There's generally an agenda there. So to get an objective view, I would encourage, certainly in the UK, would be going on the APM website, the Association for Project Managers. They can give basic, sort of quite objective overviews of what projects are, what a team looks like, um, things like that. Another route is um, would be managing successful programmes. So I'm sort of mixing and matching a little bit here between uh, project and programme management. But that's another really good resource to sort of understand how your team might look like. And each one of those sources has some remember books. It's, a, it's going back a bit. But yeah, each one of them that's has some sorry, very, sorry. <laughs> But each one has some very, very approachable sort of uh, books that are available. And um, it looks like starting out in project management and SSM same managing successful programs. A quick whiz of that by the senior leadership team of an organization or the MD or whoever runs it, just to upskill themselves a little bit so that they know what they're asking of people. That would be of a massive benefit. Um, so that would be the first one. After that, um, you know, it's as we've said a couple of times on this call already, define what success looks like. Um, and write it down Mm -hmm. and make sure that you've covered all the instances because it's it's not just as simple as do something as cheaply as possible you know it's time might be more important you need to make sure that the quality is right there can also be other aspects like a a company might be willing to do a job at cost or even a loss if it opens up different areas of an industry and that needs to be written down so that it's remembered and at the end of a job if it is overspent okay but we've still achieved the market goals we were looking for Um, so that's really important and um, as we've said, again, clearly define and agree a realistic plan. Now, a plan can be challenging. It can be, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to give everybody a warm, fuzzy feeling that this can, that you know, they're going to do this with no problem at all. But it does have to be achievable and somebody has to put pen to paper to say, yes, I recognise know this this what we set out here, the resources and the time frame available, this is doable. Um, The ideal is that the PM has full buy-in of it as well. Um, It's not always the case, but as long as it's been vetted to make sure that this thing is deliverable, then we're aware. After that, we're on to making sure that the right tools are available. Um, So this is both to allow the project team to deliver the work and also for um, the rest of the business to be able to measure success. So examples, this would be some way of doing plans. It could be quite basic. It's um, once upon a time we were stuck with a choice of Microsoft Project or Primavera P6. Nowadays, there are a million and one apps and easily accessible and expensive pieces of software that can be used. Um, Similarly, cost control. Um, so we need to have a way of understanding how much each individual resource costs and how long they've been on a particular job. So a good timesheet system, something like that, that's linked back to to HR cost rates. Same thing with procurement and supply chain as well. We need to be able to make sure that we're at all times we know exactly how much has been spent to date. And then the plan, working with that self-send data, lets you know how much is left to go on the job as well. So you know where you're at. The uh, probably the other thing that I'd go through would probably be um, really open communication and making sure the good change control processes are in place. Change control, scope creep, you know, it's the thing that can make or break a project. It it's massively important. Um, quite often you see people that are so keen to make sure that they're impressing the customer, that the customer's always right and the customer's always happy, things like that, that they allow us to drift and get to a point where we spend more money than we should. So it's it takes a degree of control and the confidence to uh, to sort of have those conversations as well, and um, to draw back where something creeps away from the original intended scope.
1: Yeah, and I think on that point, it's it's just so important that the the PM is, I suppose, given the um, not authority, but I suppose given the understanding that if they come forward in the middle of the project, to say, hey, half these people are on sick, or you know, I've come up with a problem, or the customer is asking something for completely different now. <laughs> or we have a problem here that, um, you know, that those signposts are given that the PM is allowed to come in and say there's a problem here and that the business, I suppose, deal with it in some way or help them or do something. You know, they have to yeah. have communication.
2: It, it's, I tend to, I like projects to be run with with a really clear focus on risks and issues. And <laughs> so risks can be positive. There can be an opportunity there can be negative, traditional risks. And then we also have the issue side of things as well, which ties directly into what you were saying. There are things that can be managed at a project level, but there needs to be a mechanism to allow that escalation to get right into the hands of the people who can influence and make that, uh, make the adjustment in the organisation. Um, we have processes in place that allow that to happen, either on a regular basis as part of project reviews or in the intermediate time. Um, a lot of it comes down to the leadership style of the people um, who might get involved. Um, you know, we certainly operate a, a very much an open door policy. Just come and yeah. tell us. You know, hold your hands up, let us know. We'll come and help where we can.
1: What's the natural kind of career progression? Is it that, you know, the project manager? Do you go into a program manager? Then is there a portfolio manager? You know, what kind of natural progression is there?
2: Yes, yes and yes, but it's not <laughs> quite that simple. So if we set off a project support, so sort of an entry level role, we'll typically have something called something like a project assistant um, that would usually be an entry level role that might be appropriate for somebody straight out of school or university or brand new to the field doing the transfer across something like that. After that, we get to um, a role which is sometimes called a project coordinator or a project engineer. Um, this is the role of sort of the understudy to the project management. It's a little bit senior in terms of project support, but not quite running their own jobs yet. Um, it's it's the gateway role to get in there. After that, we're project manager. Now, some companies use the titles of senior project manager or principal project manager. Others just use project manager regardless of whether you're running a 20 grand job or a 200 million pound job. But typically we have project managers and then senior project managers. Your senior project managers are the ones that are looking after much more complex, higher scale projects. You know, um, after that, it's it's quite a common thing where people say, oh, it's a senior project manager, then it's program manager. Project management and program management are two different things with slightly different skill sets. So. Project is something it's you know, it's a, a unique package of work that's delivered to deliver a very clear output. It's a something. And um, it's, you know, it's a one off, whereas a program, there's a bit of a difference. Um, a program is more sort of a series of coordinated activities, be it a project or change management or business as usual activities. And the purpose of a program is to deliver strategic or otherwise significant outcomes and usually bring a benefit or a change to an organization. Now, the skills required are two slightly different things. There's a lot of crossover between the two and some people do move between the two areas I certainly have um, but they the, just need to be in a bit of an awareness but it's not a program manager is not necessarily any more senior than somebody working in senior projects it's just a different focus within the organization now as you take a step above that yeah you're into portfolio management or if you're into the team side of things you know you've got PMO manager um, head of projects projects direction uh, projects director things like that so there is a really quite a pleasant hierarchy in project management. If somebody getting into it can see the way through the board, a bit like blockbusters, Um, so they know where they're going to get out the other end of it and it lets people manage their careers really well. And crucially, that means that if you're building a project management team in your organization, you can pitch that role at what is appropriate to business and you also know where they're going to go. And there's a lot of support online. um, and in you know, uh, the the various uh, project management associations, where they can say what training is appropriate at different levels and what you can expect from dif- people at different levels. Um, so yeah, it, it's a really nice point. It's That was one of the appealing things for me when I first got into projects, was that I could see a way through it, a mapped out career.
1: And that's interesting, the difference between the project manager and the programme manager, because correct me if I'm wrong, Garth, is the project manager is really that kind of doer, you know, making sure that all uh, well, the tasks are being done, where the programme manager kind of more looking at I suppose maybe is it the goals or what, what do you need, what the resources required or would you say?
2: Um, there's, the closer to each other than you might think, the more the the important differentiator is, uh, you know, we talked about what the success factors are, what we're looking for, what the scope of this is. It's a different um, set of criteria. So a program manager is typically more focused on the benefit that comes out the other end of it, okay. um, rather than the thing that comes out first. Mm-hmm. Um, so they both would have to manage resources. They would both have to you know, manage cost and things like that. There's no great difference there. Um, the thing that can sometimes be a bit confusing is that sometimes a program manager might look after a program that includes a project, which is mm-hmm. run by a project manager somewhere else. Um, but yeah, it's it's the The simple sort of key difference between the two it's it's the focus and the understanding of what the impact of their delivery is. A project manager is to say'll deliver an output. A program manager will deliver something that will benefit the organization.
1: I definitely think that there's some great tools out there. I mean, any ones that you I mean, we use Microsoft projects here a bit. Obviously, we're doing our own project management system here. but yeah. are there any tools that you really enjoy using or that have come in recently
2: um. I don't know about recent ones. I mean, I'm impressed massively with the amount of stuff. It, it seems like suddenly there's a whole new generation generating pieces of software for this, which I'm finding really, really interesting. Um, I know it's uh, my partner runs uh, quite a successful copywriting agency. And when she's managing her work, she was using a piece of software which I hadn't come across before, which was um, Asana. Oh. Um And there's a lot of that ilk where it's it feels more app based and more approachable and more friendly. And the more approachable these things are, the more likely they are to be used. So it doesn't necessarily follow that, you know, nobody would turn their nose up at a more basic piece of software if it was being used effectively. You know, a user and operator will soon find the limitations. And that's the thing that will trigger you moving on to a larger and more complex piece of uh, piece of kit. Um, We've recently done a transfer. we, we've used, like most organizations, Microsoft Project in the past, and it's fine. It's familiar. You know, you, you know it. Um, we've recently transitioned virtually all of our projects now, well, all of them, um, over to Primavera P6, which is a very specific detail oriented piece of planning software. Um, that gives us a lot of benefits in terms of um, and value management and resource management and things like that, but that wouldn't necessarily be appropriate for a smaller business. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm i'm keeping my eye on the market a little bit but i'm I'm very encouraged by the easier quick download quick usable you know very accessible pieces of software
1: and i think it's 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 kind of different areas like we would use visual studios vsds for our development guys but that does a whole different thing you know it manages the different environments that we have it manages mm-hmm. different um, qas and pushing different uh, releases and things like that so it I suppose like it, it does something different more than just managing time so that's kind of yeah. very specific um but then if you're bringing project management and i would totally agree with you it does seem to be kind of popping up that um project management i suppose used to be specific in my opinion used to be specifically for well we're delivering a, pro- a physical product whereas yeah. now people kind of, kind of taking that into their own side i think maybe a bit of marketing are doing it or sales are doing it you know it's, it's more of a even our own internal side if it, we're doing a our ISO project and I was like, I need a project manager to manage that. Because I don't want to, but you know, but to manage it because we're missing the you know, we actually it's it's a whole project, there's loads of steps to it, and I need somebody to make sure that we're actually delivering it. Um and you have actually said something earlier that I that I thought was was really smart um was familiarity doesn't mean that they're the right person to be the project manager. Mm-hmm. And that is Absolutely. So, is it something in terms of the scaling company ourselves is that as a startup, sometimes you'd have the person who's most familiar with. Um, with that piece of tech or that piece of um, software, or the marketing side of something, and they would just naturally be the project manager, even though it's not really their skill set at all. They just happen to know that domain. You know? Yeah. So, And they're not totally not the right person for that. And just in my own case, in terms of the, the ISO side of things, I was like, I'm really happy to lead this, but I need a project manager. I, I know it and I'm familiar with it, but that doesn't mean I'm the right person to deliver the project.
2: Yeah. There are times where Having a project manager who's not a subject matter expert are actually really beneficial because sometimes it's really nice to be the person in the room who asks the question that nobody else will ask you know that it's the amount of times that in the past 15 20 years that I've held my hands up and said listen I'm sorry I'm probably being thick here but yeah. you ask the question and suddenly the room goes quiet because they really is the, the, haven't considered that so yeah it, it absolutely isn't the case that a project manager needs to have very specific skills in an area sometimes it can help um, but fundamentally, their job is the delivery of a project, not necessarily being a subject matter expert. That's why our tech leads and experts are for. And frankly, you know, we need to pinch as much time from them as we need to deliver the project, and then release them back into the wild to go and do some extra work somewhere else. Um, it's about making the best use of your resource.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. And then sometimes I think if you're the person who kind of knows the domain. I think sometimes you kind of allow that feature creep coming in because you're like, oh, yeah. look, are a really good idea. I do want that in there. Whereas at least the project manager, they're like, no, it's not in scope.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, it's being like, that gearkeeper, yeah, and you do see it. You you see where you know a project does more of a technical drive than a commercial one. And um, that's typically where we end up seeing a product that is just outrageously brilliant. And the yes. cost of watching in these more than was asked for. <laughs> it's
1: never happened here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Gareth, for, for taking the time to talk to no me. Problem. Uh, if somebody wants to contact you uh, to get all your project management, program management, for portfolio management information, um, <laughs> expertise, uh, how, how would they go about contacting you?
2: Best way would be through LinkedIn. And if you just find me a message me on there, that's absolutely fine.
1: Perfect. So I'll we'll have all your details there. Um, so again, thank you so much for taking the time, Gareth. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday. And we'll talk to you soon.
2: You too. See you now.
0: Thanks for listening. Check us out at HRlocker.com. The show was hosted by Christelle and produced by Jenny Martin. Subscribe to catch the latest episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you'd like to feature, get in touch by emailing us at marketing@hrlocker.com. You can also follow HR Locker on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.